My name is John. I'm an alcoholic. Happy birthday for a year, huh? So I guess you got a sponsor. You don't have a sponsor? Okay, well, that's... A lot of guys, you just made a lot of guys night. <laughs> but you have one before the night's over. <laughs> and welcome to our day, Vermont, yeah. Oh, he said, he said Austin? I thought he said Vermont. Oh, well, that makes more sense. I thought, sure, I live in Vermont, so let's go to Texas for August. <laughs> we do have California, though, right? L.A.? Yeah, there's L.A. What part of L.A.? Oh, yeah. yeah. You're not down there by Mickey Bush in that group. Okay, good. Good. You're welcome. <laughs> Anyway, this is great. You know, the uh, I'm glad to be here. The the first night we talked about the problem. Step one identifies the problem. That we're alcoholic and can't manage our own life. Step two is the solution to that problem. And step three is where we turn our will and our life over to the care of the solution we found in step two. And, uh, <laughs> of course, we're talking about sex tonight. That's, that's like, <laughs> I'm just got to talk about it. <laughs> no, I... I would say this, but it's true. I used to have a real problem with it. Uh, and then after coming into AA and getting God in my life, I, I really come to see that, that sex is very spiritual. Actually, it's a sacred, holy experience. It's something that should be shared and enjoyed by the three involved. <laughs> Terry hates that one there, but <laughs> tell you where I'm on that. No, I uh, tell you about this inventory stuff. I, I, I was in treatment about two weeks, and uh, been reading ahead in a book, so I found out about this inventory, and I went to my counselor, Dell, and I said, I need to. Uh, I'm ready to take this inventory. She says, oh, the searching and fearless moral inventory. I said, yes. So she gives me this big, thick pamphlet on how to take the the uh, fourth step put out of that group up in Minnesota. And uh, I want you to know I carried that around with me for 18 months, <laughs> getting ready to take the fourth step, you know. So we got we got to get ready to take these steps. We don't just go out and take the steps. Nobody just takes the steps. We've got to get ready to take them. I mean, that's what I did with every step. I had to get ready to take. did it with step one. You know, I had to get ready to take. Now, I don't think if you had to come up to me as I'm sitting in the bar, drunk, and said, what, what are you doing? I doubt I would have said, well, I'm, I'm getting ready to take step one. <laughs> you know? In reality, that's what we were doing out there. We were getting ready to take that step. And I had to get ready to take it. And the problem I had with the fourth step was not the fourth step. I mean, I didn't mind reading that stuff or writing that stuff down. Didn't mind that at all. But I read ahead, and I found out after I write it down, you're going to have to have me, you're going to want me to tell somebody about it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell anybody that stuff. Nope. That's between me and God. I'll, I'll talk to God about it. I'm not going to tell anybody that stuff. I'm not going to do it. In fact, I, I grew up in a very fundamental religion. <coughs> Excuse me. I grew up and was raised a, a Mormon. And they're a lot like Catholics. They got this confession thing. And I thought, besides, if it's going to work for me, they're going to, they're going to probably tell me I've got to take it with a Mormon bishop. I'm not taking it with a Mormon bishop. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take it with a Mormon bishop. Nope, I'm not going to do it. So what I thought I would do when I got over to Reno, I thought, well, I'll find somebody, another Mormon in AA, and find out who he took his fifth step with. And that's who I will take my fifth step with. I asked my sponsor one time. I said, do we, do we have any... Uh, Mormons in AAI. And he said, well, he said, you know, we used to have one lived up in Carson City, but he died. <laughs> so, so I just continued to get ready to take the fourth step. And uh, I told you last week, I moved to Dallas in 83. And the first week I'm in Dallas, I'm staying at my sister's place. So the first week I'm in Dallas, 
she invites me to go to church with her. She's active in, in the church. So I went to church with her. And I'm not bothering anybody. I'm sitting on the back row, not bothering anybody. And this guy comes up and introduces himself to me. And he says, I understand we have a common friend, mutual friend. And I thought, my sister. the only person I know in Texas is my sister. He said, no, I, she's a friend, but I understand you're a friend of Bill W.'s. And I thought, yeah, I am. And uh, we, we chatted briefly. He invited me to come over to his house. I couldn't believe it. So I got home, and I started thinking about it. I was going to see him Sunday afternoon. Thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. My sister's ratted on me. She's gone ahead and broke my anonymity to this guy, told him I'm an alcoholic. This guy is not a real alcoholic. It's a setup. <laughs> he's not a real alcoholic I mean what's he doing in church right <laughs> you know he's not a real alcoholic I'm going to go there and he's going to tell me I got to go back to church I do not want to go to church I'm not going to go back to church and he's going to tell me I got to go to church it's a setup. I don't like this at all but I was afraid if I didn't go he'd tell my sister and then I wouldn't have any place to live so I uh, went by the scene found his house pulled up in front of his house big house in North Dallas big circular driveway in front of his house two new cars parked in front like that. This guy's not a real alcoholic. No, not living like this, he's not an alcoholic. So I went up and rang the doorbell, and he lets me in, and we go back to his study. And uh, not that these things matter to me, but as I walked through his house, I casually priced all the furnishings. <laughs> Expensive stuff in that house. I had. This guy's not a real alcoholic. I'm gonna, he's going to tell me to go to church. I don't want to go to church. There's going to be a big argument, big argument here coming up. And so we sat down. The first thing he said was, he said, John, before we get started, I just want to tell you one thing. The church won't keep you sober. You better keep your butt in AA. And I said, I, 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 I agree with that. And we chatted. I got relaxed. We visited for an hour. 45 minutes later, I asked him to be my sponsor. He's still my sponsor today. You know, and so uh, we're working these steps. And he said, "Have you taken an inventory?" I said, "No, I'm getting ready uh, <laughs> to do that." And he says, "You're getting ready to?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "Let me tell you, I've been wondering about this fifth step, about who you're going to take the fifth step with. I know you're going to tell me to take it with a Mormon bishop. But I don't want to take it with a Mormon bishop. I'm not going to take it with a Mormon bishop." And you know, and he said, "Wait a minute, John." He said, "Have you have you finished your fourth?" And I said, "No, I'm getting ready to start." And he said, John said, what they've done for people like you, they've numbered these. So you don't have to read ahead to the fifth step. You don't have to plan on who you're going to take the fifth step with till you write the fourth. And he says, in fact, you don't, you don't decide who to take it with. You don't decide to take it with me. You don't decide to take it with another priest, uh, you know, or a Mormon bishop. You don't decide that. You know, until you're done, and then I'll tell you who to take it with. See, the, the danger is if you decide to take it with somebody before you write it, when you start to write it, you may you may write it to please them. You may not be able to be 100% honest. But if you don't know who you're going to take it with, you have no idea, then you just be honest and write everything down. So he said, just write. And he said, now you know how to do it? And I said, yeah, I know how to do it. I read it in the book. You know, you get those columns. Now they trick you. Don't they? They trick you because in that page they only put three columns. He said, "You got that first column there." He said, "You get to write everybody down you're mad at." I love that. I love that. I can write. I make that's a long list. People I'm mad at. People have done the wrong. Institutions have done a long list. And then you got that other column where you get to say what they did to you to piss you off. I like that. I can put that down there. And then the third column is a little tougher. Because in that column, you're supposed to put, you, you, you write down what that affected in you. Did that hurt your esteem? Did that hurt your pocketbook? That What fear did that create inside? And that, that's a little harder. You know, but you got that third column down. But that's that fourth column. See? And the problem is you got to turn the page. They don't list it on that thing. you got to turn the page till you find that fourth column, which is what your responsibility in the deal is. Hate that part. Don't like that part. But I know how to do that, so I, he said, "Now go home and just write on it for, you know, 45 minutes or so till you until, until it starts to hurt, and then put it up, and then just write it around right every day until it hurts, and then put it away." So I'd go home at night and uh, I'd start to write. In five minutes, I put it up. Couldn't couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. But I made a problem. I made a mistake. 
because I told him I started. He said, next time I saw him, he says, how's your four-step come on? I said, I started my inventory. Well, don't ever, you new people, don't tell anybody you started. Because <laughs> once you tell them that, that you started your inventory, then they keep wanting to know how you're coming. You know, and you've only got so many things you can say, like, how's your inventory? Oh, it's working on it. How's your inventory? Oh, coming along. Coming along. A few more things to go. I'll be about done, about done. You know, and and hell, I wasn't even close. You know, and so he finally got mad at me after a month or so, and he said, "Listen, John," he said, "You know what? I love you, and uh, I think you're great, but he said, you know, I'm too busy to mess with somebody that's not serious about the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. So he says, if you're not serious about this, then you just get a new sponsor. I said, I'm serious about it. He said, No, you're not. He said, If you're serious about it, you'd have your inventory done." He said, so I'll tell you what. He said, we can be friends, but if you don't have it done, this is on a Wednesday. He said, if you don't have it done by a week from Saturday, it's going to give you 10 days. If you don't have it done, then just go get a new sponsor. Because I'm just too busy to mess with you. We can be friends, but I can't sponsor you. I'm too busy to sponsor people who aren't serious. So I waited till Friday night. And <laughs> went home, <laughs> made two pots of coffee, you know, stayed up all night. And it takes you about six, seven hours riding inventory. And I got through with that. And uh, Saturday morning, I was excited. I finished my inventory. And I called my sponsor to see who I'm going to take this inventory with. My fifth step. Uh, son of a bitch had gone to Hawaii, you know. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, you know. He, he set a date when he was going to be out of town. You know, very. So anyway, I didn't know what to do, so I didn't do anything. I just went to a meeting. You know, Sunday came, went to a meeting. Monday came, went to work. Nothing had happened. Nobody said anything, but I just felt kind of dull. I just felt flat. You know, just dull. And uh, went to a meeting. Didn't tell anybody I'd finished my inventory. Went to a meeting. Tuesday comes, and I'm I'm flat and I'm dull and I'm starting to get restless. Fear starting to creep in. Nothing happened. Nobody said anything. Went to a meeting. Wednesday, I'm headed into the valley. And it's scary. You're waiting for that impending doom, that fear of impending doom, that other shooter drop. And it's dark. And you're just confused. And I don't know what to do. By Wednesday, hell, I can't work. I have to go home. You know? And the first thing I do when I'm, when I'm, when I'm that way is the worst thing to happen. Because what I do is I love to isolate you know, I love to go home, stop by a 12-pack of Diet Coke, carton of cigarettes, and hide out. You know, let them call. I ain't come. I ain't answering them. I got to figure out what's wrong with me. You know, think. <laughs> and uh, so I hid out all weekend at the house, and you peek out the drapes, you know, in case then the phone would ring. And that's what's scary. Before That was before caller ID. You know, and so you're just sitting there wondering, who in the hell's calling me, you know? <laughs> this, this is a bad deal. And so finally, Monday came. My sponsor got home late Sunday or Sunday afternoon. I called him Monday morning, and I'm nuts. I'm just scared to death, and I'm bonkers. And I called him on the phone, and I said, I need to see you today. So we met for lunch down at Luby's over on Midway and LBJ. And uh, we got our food and went through the line, got our food and sat down at the table. And we hadn't said anything. We were just chit-chatting. And all of a sudden, I just lost it and started crying. God, that was terrible. It was one of those real boo-hoo deals, you know. I couldn't stop. I'm just boo-hooing. You know? <laughs> People are looking at you. you know, you know. Guy's getting fired, I guess. He just lost his job. I don't know. <laughs> My sponsor didn't even look up. You know, he just ate. And finally, he looked up and says... Now, when did you finish your inventory? I said, a week ago Saturday when I was supposed to. <laughs> he put his forward and he said, God, no wonder you're nuts. He said, see, the, the book says that upon completion of the fourth step, we immediately take the fifth. We don't wait ten days. And I said, you didn't tell me who to take it with before you left. You told me you have it done. I had it done. You left me. <laughs> And he said, well, see what's happened is you've uncovered all that dirt and all that garbage. You brought all that to the surface in writing that inventory. And now you're sitting there in this, in this pool of 
dirty water, man, and you need to give it away. Or you ain't going to make it. That's what you do in the fifth step. You give all that trash away by sharing another human being. And he said, you get it. you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it 24 hours. And he was right. I mean, I was a basket case. And I said, well, who do I take it with? And he said, well, it doesn't really matter. He says, you know, because you can take it with me or you can take it with somebody else at the group that's got some time in the program. He said, but I, I, I will share this with you. Knowing your background, knowing a little bit about you, I do think it's best if you uh, take it with a Mormon bishop. <laughs> hey, by then, I didn't care, man. I'd have, I'd have published it in the Wall Street Journal, you know, just get out of that crap. So I said, I didn't know the guy. So we went out and we got on the phone. We found out who it was and uh, called him on the phone. Monday afternoon, I made an appointment with him Monday night. I said, I need to see you tonight if I can. He said, fine, I made an appointment Monday night. And he said, my sponsor said, now, he's not going to know why you're there. So take the 12 and 12 with you. And before you get started, have him read chapter 5 out of 12 and 12. That'll tell him what you're doing there. So I went in there at 7 o'clock. And he said, well, Johnny said, uh, what can I do for you? I said, well, before we get started, read this. I gave him 12 and 12. He took about 10 minutes and read it, and he finally closed it. He said, that is great. He said, that's the most succinct reason and benefits to confession I've ever read. He says, is that, is that why you're here? You got something to confess? <laughs> kind of, you know. Kinda, you know he said, what? And then I pulled out my inventory I'd written it. He'd never seen a written confession, you know. <laughs> he said, what is that? I said, oh, I just made a few notes. <laughs> and then I just had to read what I'd written. That's the benefit of writing it down. I didn't have to decide, am I going to tell him this? Am I going to tell him that? What am I going to say? I just had to read what I'd written, you know. And uh, cried a little bit. He cried a little bit. Gave me some great input. I'm not an alcoholic by any means. And... Uh, Got through about four or five hours later and closed my book. And he said, is that it? And I said, well, no. I said, there's a few more things. There's, there's four. You know, the four biggies that you got? Most alcoholics got four. Okay? I just footnoted those at the bottom. You know, in case we ran out of time, I wouldn't have to bring it up. I said, I got about three or four more things here, but if I said, you've been here five hours, you got a wife and family. He said, no, nah, let's finish it. So I read the four biggies and uh, closed up the book and I said, well, when's court? See, because they're very, they don't really like the stuff I do when I'm drinking. Okay? The Mormons don't think much of it. They don't think much about what I do when I'm sober. Okay? <laughs> but they really don't like what I'm doing when I'm drinking. You know? So... And they're pretty formal about it. They're very serious about it. And they hold a court and they try you for your membership at this court. So I closed my book and I said, when's court? Because I know the process. I said, when's court? He says, i got to get back to you. <laughs> you know? So I gave him my phone number and about a week later, his boss called me. And his boss says, I've talked to the bishop and he's told me about this. He said, I, I guess we need to get together. So I made an appointment with him. And I met with him, took another inventory, went through the whole process with him, and took another fifth step with him, went through it, closed up and said, well, when's court? i got to get back to you. <laughs> so I don't know who he talked to, but a few days later he called me up and he said, court's Thursday, next Thursday. Told me where to be at 7.30. So I show up at the place I'm supposed to be at, 7.30, on Thursday. And I said, they're pretty formal about their They're... they're Fifteen guys in there. There are three guys running the thing, chairing the thing. And then there's six guys over here that represent the church and their attitude about my activities. And there's six guys over here. And they're supposed to defend me. Okay? So I walk in there with these 15 guys. <laughs> took another fifth step. Went through the whole fifth step with them, you know. And uh, these six guys over here, they got a whole bunch of questions. Okay. My six guys got nothing to say. <laughs> well, hell, he admits it. You know, what are we going to do? I don't know. He admits it. I mean, we can't even defend that. I mean, you know. How are you going to defend that? We don't even need to call any witness to saw him do it. He's telling us he did it. You know? 
my guy's got nothing to say at all. And, and uh, this, one of the guys over here says to me, he says, Brother Allred, see, they call me Brother down there. He says, says Brother Allred, you don't seem very repentant. And I started laughing. I said, I said, repentant? He said, yes, you don't seem very repentant about all this. And I said, well, I said, I guess if, if you want me to tell you what it feels like, you know, to come home three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning to your wife and have her just crying, waiting up for you because you told her you would never do that again and you've been out drinking all night and chasing strange women and drinking and doing whatever you could do to get in trouble and look into her eyes and because you love her. You don't want to hurt her. And she's just devastated because you lied one more time. You spent money you didn't have one more time. You want me to tell you what that feels like? I can tell you what that feels like. You want me to tell you what it feels like to come home early, 10 o'clock when I'm drinking, 10 o'clock in the evenings early for me. Come home at 10 o'clock and my little six-year-old son comes running out, crying. Because it's his birthday. And they had a birthday party. And you got the presents in the trunk of your car. And you left the office early to go home, to be there by six, you know, to uh, to go to the birthday party. So you left at four. And you thought, well, I'll just stop and have one. I'm just gonna stop by and have one. And then I'll go home and be there time for the party. The next thing you know, it's 10 o'clock. And your little son looks at you and says, Daddy, what happened? where have you been? You missed my party. You want me to tell you what that feels like? I know exactly what that feels like. To feel all that self-hatred and that remorse and that guilt and that shame. Because you didn't make it. One more time, you didn't make it. And I said, I can tell you all about how this stuff feels. I said, but you know, that's not my problem today. I told the guy, I said, you know, it's almost like that stuff happened to someone else at a different time. I said, you know, I have done what I was supposed to do in order for me to stay sober. And whatever you guys have to decide is fine. I have already accepted the results of this court, not knowing what they are. Because no matter what you decide, it's not going to change anything I have to do in order for me to stay sober. So I've already accepted whatever you decide, not knowing the results. It's fine with me. That stuff can no longer hurt me. This court can no longer hurt me because I've accepted it. Whatever you decide is fine. Because I'm going to do what I have to do to stay sober. So I said, I've, I've been praying for you guys all day. You know? Because you guys are the ones that have to decide what God's will is for me. Because I've already accepted God's will, no matter what it is. And you guys are the ones that have to decide what God's will is for me. So I said, I've been praying for I hope you're spiritually fit. <laughs> you know? And with that, they dismissed me, and I went out and waited around the hall, stood in the hall for an hour. Then they called me back in, and the president running the show, he said, uh, said Brother Arthur, you talked a lot about God's will when you are in here. And he said, that's what we've been talking about for the last hour. We've been trying to decide what God's will is for you. And he explained to me there are four things they could do. They could excommunicate me, which means they, I'm no longer a member of the church. They could... Uh, disfellowship me which means that I'm still a member but I like if I and I can't talk I, okay I can go to church but I can't say anything <laughs> once I get there keep your mouth shut okay and like for a year or two years if you screw up one time boom you're out the door and that's that they could just fellowship me or they could put me on probation which means I'm a member and I can go and I can talk I can talk I can go to church and talk but if I screw up boom I'm gone or they could take no action those are the four things they could do and he explained that he said we've been trying to decide what God's will is and he said we've been praying about it and talking about it and he said I want to tell you the spirit moving here and we know what God's will is we had one vote we had one vote and it was unanimous we all know what God's will is and it's God's will the church, the Mormon church, take no action. They didn't do anything to me. You know? See, I couldn't believe it. 
really couldn't because I've been I've never seen when they get 15 guys together to spend Thursday night they're going to take some action okay <laughs> I never know when they did and they took no action and uh, what was interesting about that is you know the book says that more than anyone else the alcoholic leads two lives okay I think that's one place where the book's probably a little modest. Okay? I mean, hell, if we get down to two, we'd be okay. You know, we really would. <laughs> but I had all these lives I'd been living. I had this one life at church. And I had this one life at home. And I had this other life at work. And I had this other life in the bar. And I had a different life in different bars I went to. You know? I mean, if I went to a cowboy bar, I was a cowboy. You know? If I went to a fern bar, I was an attorney. You know, one of those New York fern bars. I was a different guy in every, in every bar I went to, you know. And nobody knew what was going on in different worlds. People at work didn't know about my life over here. My wife didn't know about that life. They just don't let those worlds collide. I had all these different worlds I was living in. A ton of secrets. A lot of secrets, you know. And for the first time, when you write that stuff down and you share it with another human being, there's going to be one other person on earth that knows what's going on in each world. You know, what the whole story. Nobody ever knew the whole story. I always had some secrets. I always had something that they didn't know about. You know? And uh, when you write that stuff down and you share it with another human being, for the first time now, you're, everybody knows, somebody else knows everything. No more secrets. And by the way, I'm, I agree. I'm thoroughly convinced that we are as sick as our secrets. And I start getting sick with my first secret. And it's progressive. Because then I'll get two secrets. And then I'll get three secrets. And then I get sicker and sicker and sicker. And by being honest, I don't have to have any more secrets. I can tell people exactly who I am. You know exactly what's going on in my life. You know, my wife knows everything about me now. I don't have any secrets from her. What a what a freedom that is. Not to have any secrets. You know, what happens when you write that inventory down and you share all those things with another human being? What happens? What's the end result of all that, that whole process? You get rid of all that guilt and all that shame. You find out that you're not alone. And you get rid of all your secrets. And that's about it. And frankly, I'm a little disappointed in that. Okay? I wish there was more to that. I wish we could inventory that stuff away. See, because I'm the same person I was before I wrote the inventory. I got those same... I, I'm a liar. You know? And just because I wrote an inventory about lying and wrote down all my lies doesn't mean I'm not a liar. I'm still very capable of lying. You know, nothing changes in that inventory. Nothing changes in the fourth and fifth step. I wish we could change in the fourth and fifth step. We don't change. We change in six and seven, not four and five. And I, love, I was having lunch with a guy years ago. I guess it's been 18 years ago now. A friend of mine, Kevin, and, and we're having lunch on Friday. He says, i got to get home. i got to take half enough work. i got to finish my inventory. I said, you're doing another inventory? He wrote four inventories in one year. And these were four-step inventories. These were going... I said, what are you doing? Is this the fourth step? He said, yeah, I'm going back further. I'm trying to peel the onion a little more, you know. I'll get down another peeling of the onion. And I said, what about? He said, well, relationships. You know, i got a terrible time with relationships. I just can't have a terrible problem with relationships. And I said, well, you have problems with relationships? He said, yeah. I said, you want a solution? And he said, well, yeah, so I'm doing an inventory. I said, no, don't worry. Just don't have any. Yeah. Nah, not going to do that. Not going to do that. See, we, that's what we try to do. We try to inventory the problem away. I said, yeah, you know how you have problems with relationships? I'll tell you, this will save that inventory. If you think about doing an inventory on your relationships because you're having problems with them, let me tell you why you're having problems with relationships. The reason is because you're a selfish, self-centered son of a bitch. That's why you're having problems with relationships. You know? I'm in, I'm in a meeting, the gal did an inventory. She was doing her, uh, she was a chair. She chaired the meeting. And her topic was 
uh, inventories because she just finished a financial inventory because she's got all kinds of financial problems. And I said, you know why you're having problems with finances? This will save you that financial inventory. The reason why is because you're a selfish, self-centered son of a bitch. That's why you're having problems. You like to spend more than you make. See, selfish, self-centeredness, that we believe is the root of our problem. You know, And you're not going to change that by writing an inventory about it. See, we learned how to change in the very first step. We learned how to change. And what do we do? We learned how not to drink. And how do we do that? Well, we didn't drink one day at a time. We talked to our sponsor. We read the book. We attended meetings. And we prayed to have God remove that compulsion to drink. What happened? It was removed. So we no longer drink anymore. Okay? Let me ask you a question. Would you ever get sober if you wrote about drinking and continue to drink? <laughs> no. What you have to do? You have to stop drinking. Didn't you? So what I'm going to have to do, if i got problems with relationships, what I'm going to have to do is, and what we're talking about really is sex, a sex problem that's working there when you get through of all this stuff. What I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to stop having relationships for a while. I'm going to have to stop it for a while. And uh, I'm going to have to attend the meetings. I'm going to talk to my sponsor about it. I'm going to pray to have God change me. And I'm going to be changed. Then I can have them. So what I had to do is I had to quit dating. I guess if I could have dated, you know, and not uh, you know, hit on her, you know, to, to take it to the next level, uh, <laughs> I guess it could have been okay, you know, but I can't do that. I know, no, no, I'm going to, it's just going to be a bad deal. So I, I, just, I just quit dating. Just quit dating altogether, you know. And uh, did what my sponsor said, you know. Quit dating. Pray to have God change me. Talk to him about it. Wouldn't you rather write about it? <laughs> Much rather write about it than quit. You know? Now, we don't want to quit. We want to write about it and continue to do it. You know? That ain't ever going to work. That ain't ever going to work. You can write about it, all you want to write about it, and nothing's going to change. You can try to peel that onion one more layer, and nothing's going to change till you quit. You got to quit doing it, you know? And, and, and I quit dating. I just quit dating and hung out with, first of all, I started hanging out with myself. Remember the first time I went to a movie by myself. I'd never done that. I'd never been to a movie by myself. You know, I went to a movie by myself, and, and it was cheap. <laughs> it really was. I, I, it's half price, you know. It was wonderful. <laughs> and uh, and I started and I started being I started hanging out with me, you know. And until I, until I hung out with me, and I used to have to go home, and my sponsor said, "Okay, you can't watch TV," you know for two hours tonight. Well, boy, you ever gone home by yourself and not had TV or the radio on for two hours? Well, I had never done that. You know? So I I read. You know? And I and I did projects around the house. You know? And I just cleaned up around. And I, and I got to be friends with me. That I, was, that I was okay to be with me. You know? And I started hanging out with guys. Hung out with a lot of guys. And made some real, I never was real good friends with guys. I had friends, yeah, and we grew up together and did all that stuff, but not really, really deep friends. And I started hanging out with guys and doing things with guys and becoming friends. And that was, and I learned to be friends with guys where the sex still didn't complicate the issue, you know? It wasn't when I was hanging out with them, I was thinking about what we were going to do when we got home, you know? <laughs> <laughs> didn't think about it at all, you know? And uh, and I didn't date for a while, and then I'm, a friend of mine invited me to this Christmas party. And people say, "How long didn't you date?" And I said, "I really don't have any idea. It was it was you know, it wasn't a year. It was probably seven, eight months, something like that." And I invited this Christmas party, well, of a male friend, not an alcoholic. Okay, and he invited me to his company's Christmas party, so I go to the company and I, and I meet this gal there. Her name was Nancy, and I got her phone number. And because uh, we were like the two only smokers in the 
in the party. And so I, I got her phone number, and I went home, and I was excited. I thought, man, I think I'll take her. I think I'll go on a date. She was kind of nice, and we had a lot in common. So I called up my sponsor, and I said, I met this gal, and I'm thinking about taking her out on a date. And uh, he said, okay. He said, you can do that on one condition. I said, what's that? He said, you're totally honest. If you can be totally honest with her, you can go out on a date. And I said, I can be totally honest. <laughs> He said, I don't think so. He said, yeah. <laughs> but we'll find out, you know. So so I said, now, how do I go about how do I go about asking her out on a date? And he said, well, you got her phone number? I said, yeah, I got her phone number. He said, well, you call her on the phone and ask her out. <laughs> Jeez, that's hard. That is hardcore, you know. That's not the way I do it. What I do is I, like, come to the glass house. Here it is Thursday. You know, I always sit in the same area, same general area we sit there. So I'm sitting over there, and maybe she's sitting over here. I see her. I say, oh, baby, there she is. <laughs> Thursday at the glass house. I'll be here. You know? So next Thursday I'm here, and I just move a little closer. <laughs> and every week I start moving a little closer down this way until I finally get down there, and I find out, talk to her a little bit, find out where they're going to coffee after the meeting. So I'll go to coffee after the meeting. We're sitting at a big, long table, and she's sitting over here. I'll sit over here, and then I'll start to move down every week. And every week closer. It takes about two months for me to get a date. You know? <laughs> finally get down there, and I start talking to her, and I'll finally ask her out after I know everything there's know about her, and then I'm totally convinced she'll say yes, then I'll ask her out on a date. And uh, he said, no, he said, you just call her up and ask her out. They're not going to manage this dating business. You're just going to call her up and ask her out. So I called her up. She said, yeah. So we got on this date. And we did everything the first night, man. It was the first date I'd been on like that. And we, we, went, uh, we went to dinner and a movie and dancing all the first night, you know. Had nothing to do on the second day. We did it all the first night. And I, I dropped her off 2 o'clock in the morning when the joint closed, you know, and I was excited. I didn't have to ask if I can come in for a cup of coffee. You know, I just dropped around. You ever notice the only people that drink coffee at 2 a.m. are alcoholics? <laughs> Everybody else is going home to bed, you know, but no, we want coffee. Let's, let's get us some coffee, you know. It's 2 o'clock. Double espresso, that's what we want. Sleep? No, no, we're going to step all night, all night, we'll sleep. So I just dropped her off and went home, you know, and I, I was so excited. It was 2.30. I called my sponsor up at 2.30 in the morning. I said, I'm home. He says, are you alone? I said, yeah. The only time I want you to call me at 2.30 is when you're not alone. So I just dated Nancy. I just dated her. And that's all we did. We just dated. First time I just dated anybody, you know. I learned a lot. I learned how not, I learned how not to have that third date conversation. You know, God, it was wonderful. You know, I, but that third date, we always have that usually on the third date, you know, where you decide what we're doing. Exactly, exactly what are we doing with this thing, you know? Where, where are we going with this? What are your intentions? You know? I, love, I have guys that call me up and they say, they say, well, I said, you know, I was, I've been, I took Nancy out last, last week. I said, yeah. I know. I, you, you told me about that. Well, we've been out three or four times this week, and uh, we've decided just to be friends. We had a long conversation last night. We've decided just to be friends. Well, you blew it. <laughs> you blew it. What do you mean I blew it? Well, you you blew it. I don't know how to fix that. You know, because I mean, you decided just to be friends. What if God wants you to be more than that? You can't. Because you guys decided just to be friends, you know. And I have other guys call me up. And this was new to me. Boy, I tell you what, this was a shock to me. They'd come over and they'd say, "Well, you know, uh, Carol and I have been dating not three or four times last week, you know. But nothing serious. We're just going to be uh, sex buddies, you know." <laughs> I said, I never, they didn't call it sex, but they called it something else. <laughs> and I said, what is that? He said, well, nothing emotional. You know, anytime, anytime one of us gets a little anxious, you know, a little, little hyper-physically and we need a little relief, it's just purely uh, being of service to the other person. <laughs> 
just going to have sex, you know, and, and no attachment. No. You're kidding me, right? No. I said, whose idea was this? <laughs> this is wonderful. I didn't, I never, never had that yet. As soon as you decide to do that, blew, you blew it. You blew it. You know, because what if God wants you to have an exclusive relationship? You can't. Because you decided something else. You know? My third day conversation always went something like, you know, Kathy, this is progressing much faster than ever has in my life. It's never progressed this fast in my life before. And uh, I really wasn't looking for a relationship when we started dating. You know? I guess it's a God deal. You know? <laughs> And then start to define that relationship, you know? I mean, we, we learn in step one that we can't manage our own life. So we're going to manage this relationship and decide what the relationship is. So I learned how to keep my mouth shut. And not, see, I, I like to make statements that have long-term ramifications based on a short-term emotion. And then when the emotion changes, I'm thinking, oh, what did I say that for? You know? God, that's insane, you know? So I learned to keep my mouth shut and let God make that relationship whatever he was going to make that relationship out of. You know, it's going to be whatever it's going to be. You know, my sponsor said, hey, if it's a, if God wants you guys to be together, you can't screw it up. And if he doesn't, you can't make it work. So why mess with it? Just let it be whatever it's going to be. You got something you need to say? Tell me. Don't tell her. Don't tell her what she's doing wrong. Don't tell her how she's going to change. What she needs to do, you don't tell her any of that stuff. You tell me that stuff, and we'll let God make whatever it's going to be. You know, and I learned how to be honest in that relationship. I've never been honest with a woman, never, never. And that came out a total surprise to me because I never, I never was on. And what happened was, I, I had a date. My sponsor gave me some great advice. He said, "Now we're going to start to treat these ladies like ladies, and they're going to respond like ladies if you treat them like a lady." So I had to ask him out. If, if, if I wanted a date for Saturday, I had to ask her out by Tuesday, five, five days ahead of time, at least, minimum, preferably a week. You know, I had to ask her out ahead of time. I just can't call her up on Saturday and say, you want to go out tonight? Or you can't see her in the meeting Friday, say, you want to go out tonight or tomorrow? No. I've got to ask her ahead of time. And that's a bummer, man. And you ladies that you... Uh, if you wait to the last minute to accept that date from him, like you, some guy asks you out for tomorrow night, and you go, don't do it. Because he's shopping. All week he's been shopping. <laughs> he's shopping for a better deal. He couldn't find one, so boom, you're it. Okay, here you are. Got <laughs> nothing else. Do you want to go out tomorrow night? You know? Because you know? he's shopping. That's what he's doing. You know, and 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 the guys are the same way. Cause they used to drive me nuts. Cause I'd ask a girl out, you know, ahead of time, a week ahead of time or so, and she'd say, "Well, you know, I live one day at a time. <laughs> I don't ever plan that far ahead." They lay that guys don't even go, don't ask her because they say, "Why don't you call me Friday and I'll and we'll see." Don't call her. Don't humiliate yourself by calling Because what she's doing, she's shopping. <laughs> she's looking for a better deal. You know, if she finds one, because I'll tell you what will happen. You'll call Friday, and she'll say, oh, I just made plans. You did? You told me to call Friday. Yeah, but I just made plans. You should. An hour earlier, and I'd have been there. <laughs> you know? No. And I find it amazing. We want to fall in love, make all these commitments emotionally and for a lifetime to someone who can't plan five days ahead of time. <laughs> That's nuts. You know, you want to marry this guy and he won't even give you the courtesy of asking you out five days ahead of time, yet you want to spend the rest of your life together. That's crazy. You know? And I like to do that. So. <laughs> So I had I had to ask him out if I wanted a date. So I asked Nancy out on Saturday, and and it was one of those where, where the I get paid on the the fifteenth the first and the fifteenth, and the fifteenth like fell on Sunday, 
Okay? Well, you know that if the payday falls on Sunday, by God, they ought to pay you on Friday. That's what they ought to do. And most of the time they do. And so Friday came, and I only had $7. I went in to work, got my paycheck, and they, they said, well, no, the paychecks, they come in from New York. And normally they're here, and we distribute them when they come in. But they didn't come in this time. I guess the mail got held up or something like that. So they'll be here Monday, and we'll pay you Monday. No, no, I need my paycheck. I need my paycheck today. They said, no, it will be paid Monday. You know, if you look in the manual, we don't have to pay you till Monday, and that's what it says. But we normally pay, but not 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 this week. No, I want my check. (laughs) You know, they're only a twenty-two billion dollar company, but I want them to change for me. And they said, no, we can't change for you. They don't even know who you are in New York. So now I'm a basket. I can't work. Got to go home. You know, I leave the office, go home, stop, buy my 12 pack of Diet Coke, carton of cigarettes, go home, lock the door. Got to figure it out what am I going to do? I got only got seven bucks in my pocket. Got a date tomorrow night with Nancy. Don't know what I'm going to do. Finally, I figured it out. Intuitive thought. So, you know, there's a Tom Thumb right next to where she lives. I'll go down to Tom Thumb tomorrow. I'll write a check. That time you get a hundred dollars. I'll write a check for a hundred dollars. <laughs> They'll give me the hundred dollars. <throat> we'll go out on this date. We'll have a great time. Monday will come. I'll get my paycheck Monday morning. I'll go out and deposit in the bank. I'm feeling great. I'm I'm, I'm feeling so good. I can go to a meeting. You know. <laughs> Went to a meeting Friday night. I get to my home group. My sponsor's at my home group. It's not his home group. He shouldn't be there. Okay. <laughs> So he's sitting there, looks at me. I sit on the opposite side. Don't want to look at him. Don't want to talk to him. He's not supposed to be at my home group on Friday night. What's he doing over here? So I'm getting ready to leave to go home. I don't want to talk. And he grabs me. He says, what are you doing? I said, nothing. He said, what are you thinking about doing? Well, I said, I had a little problem. I got to figure it out. He said, What? And I said, well, I got a date with Nancy tomorrow night. I made this date a week ahead of time, like you said I would. I was going to get paid today. I was supposed to get paid today. Didn't get paid. Not going to get paid till Monday. And I got $7. He said, well, it's going to be a short date. <laughs> I said, well, I got to figure it out. He said, what are you going to do? I said, well, I thought I'd go to Tom Thumb tomorrow. I'm way to pick her up and I'll write this check for $100. And he said, wait, he said, wait a minute. You can't go. I said, what do you mean I can't go? He said, remember our deal? You could date her as long as you're honest. And you're not being honest with her. I said, what do you mean I'm not being honest with her? He said, well, you're lying to her. I said, I'm not either. He said, you are. He said, she thinks you're spending your money. You're not. You have embezzled. You have stolen money from Tom Thumb. Okay? Because you wrote that check. You promised him you had that money in the bank. You don't have the money in the bank, so you stole money. You lied to Tom Thumb. You stole money from them. Now, she's going out with a liar and a thief. <laughs> she doesn't deserve that. I said, Mike, I said, so what am I supposed to do? He says, well, you call her up and tell her the truth. Worse, worse. Oh, I hated that. So I went home, and that phone just weighs 100 pounds, you know, when you pick that up. And I dialed her number. She was home. And, and I said, Nancy, I know we've got a date tomorrow night, but I can't, I can't make it. And uh, she said, Okay. See, she's not an alcoholic. She didn't even know why. <laughs> so I asked her. I said, well, don't you want to know why? <laughs> she said, well, if you want to tell me. So I said, well, I was going to get paid. Thought I'd get paid. I didn't get paid today. I'm not going to pay till money. I only got $7 in my pocket. And I can't afford to go. Are you happy? <laughs> she, she laughed. She said, you only got $7. I said, yes, that's all I got till Monday. She said, well, listen, she says, don't worry about it. Said, Here's what let's do, okay? Because I've been meaning to fix your dinner anyway, so let me, I'll cook. You take your $7 to Blockbuster, rent a movie, we'll do the Blockbuster date, and bring it over here, and, and we'll have dinner over here, and we'll watch a movie over, over here. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. See, that's not the way I do it. No. See, I'm the knight on the white horse. <laughs> problems? We got no problems, you know. I solve your problems, baby. <laughs> I'm going to ride into your life. I'm going to scoop you up, put you on the horse, and work. 
Money? You need money? You got a money? You need? We can get money, baby. How much money do you want to get? We can get money. This is not a problem for us, okay? That that ex-boyfriend, ex-husband, he's bothering you? Just give me the nod, babe. He's out of here. I'll fix this deal. You know? I'm not going to have a problem with this. And I, I found out I could be who I am. I could tell the truth and she would like me. I didn't ever know that. See, I found out there you got you got you got these three kinds of women in AA. All right, you got you got the damsels in distress. They're the ones that that I'm on, I'm on a, the night on the white horse. I'm going to scoop her up. I'm going to save her. I'm going to solve her problems. And then you have the Florence Nightingales. They're the ones that want to take care of you. Okay, and I'm kind of I can go either way. I'm by I'm by. I can date those that want to be taken care of, or I can date those that want to take care of me. It doesn't matter. I just want to know, which one are you? Okay. Are you taking care of me, or am I taking care of you? Just let me know, and, and we'll get through this, okay? Because it'll work. It'll work, you know? And, uh, and then, we got, then we got the healthy ones, okay? But don't worry about them. You'll never find them. Okay? You know. and, if, and if you did find one, you wouldn't pick her. Because <laughs> no, your picker broke a long time ago. A long time ago. But I found out, I found out by dating Nancy that I'm not, I'm not my pocketbook. You know, see, I like to build this relationship. I like to paint a picture to the girl of the person I think's I think she's going to like what I think she wants. And then usually about about three months, she finds out that, that when this picture of who he painted doesn't match reality of what I see. You know, because the whole thing has been built on a lie. You know, it's been built on a lie. And then it falls apart. That's why most of my relationships lasted three months. You know, until they found out... I'm, He's not that way. That's not what he is at all, you know. But I found out I can be exactly who I am. Let's find out who I am first before we get all this time and emotion involved in it. And if you like it, great. If you don't, no problem. We can go on. Because you're not going to change me. See, and I'm not going to change you. They told me a long time ago that if you can't accept her just the way she is, no changes, then you're wasting your time. Because it ain't going to change. He ain't going to change. No matter what he says, no matter what she says, we ain't going to change. You know? And I'll never forget, man, I was dating this other gal. Well, let me tell you, I dated Nancy. We, we finally quit dating. And I can't say we broke up. Because we didn't. We just quit dating. And we're still friends. First time I'd ever quit dating anybody, but we were still friends. Never happened before. Because usually there was nuclear war, you know? <laughs> There's this big blowout. You know, that, that you have this big ugly fight and then you storm out of the house and slam the door and then you may or may not call them back the next day and say, this just ain't working for me. You know, good luck to you, but this is not working. Hope to see you around, you know. But always with a big blowout. But just to sit there and say, you know what? We just quit dating. We didn't even say we're not going to date anymore. We just quit dating, you know. And, and she's still a friend. In fact, I made a 12-step call on her dad 10 years later. She'd call me up because once a year she'd call or something like that. I'd see her, we'd meet for coffee and just talk. And be, we're just friends. It was incredible, you know. And uh, didn't have to force anything on her. Didn't have to lie to her to get her in bed. Didn't have to do any of that stuff, you know. Sex became something other than what I had always thought it was going to be, you know. See, I'm an event person. I am. I like events. I like I like parties, you know. I like ball games. And I like events. I like because you know when they're starting. Okay, we're we're having fun now, you know. And 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 you know when it's over, the event's over, it's done. So then you can go home, you know. I'm an event person. I'm not much of a process person. You know, process just is just it's just the process, you know. Just the process. And what I found out, see, I get my processes and my events mixed up. 
Because I used to think that, see, sex is an event. You know when you're starting and you know when you're done. Okay? So it's kind of an event. Right? But love is a process. Love is a process. And, and I always thought that if I had sex, I must be in love. You know? But it's just a process. And sex is the event. You know? And so I, I, I had to learn that I can date a girl and not have sex. You know? And that was a real rude awakening to me, too, you know? But I did. I dated a lot. Of and, and, and the thing that was amazing is then you can just be friends. You know? And nothing gets in the way. But I had to quit dating to go through that. I had to not date anybody and learn to be friends with guys. Learn how to be a friend. Learn how to do all that stuff and pray to have God change me. And when's it okay to have sex? I don't know. You know? I will say that if I have taken the third step and turned my will and my life over to the care of God and invited God into my life, then that means I've invited God into every aspect of my life, the bedroom and all. So I guess when I can invite God into the bedroom, then it's okay to have sex. If I can't, can't do it. Can't do it. But if I can invite God in, so what does that mean? That means I may date somebody. I don't set, okay, the third date we can do it. Because maybe on the third date you can't do it. Maybe you'll never be able to do that. You know, maybe on the first date. I don't know. All I know is that it never happened on the first date for me. I never was comfortable enough to invite God into the bedroom on the first date. You know? But when I could, then I guess it's okay. Because that's between you and your God. And that's why the book says we don't make any judgment about anybody's sex life. You know? But I learned how to do all that uh, with Nancy. And I dated a lot of girls and I had a wonderful time. And I think what happens is we look at that inventory as being something that's going to change us and it doesn't. It changes in six and seven. We get rid of all those characters. And all those character defects can be done the same way. I'm going to have to quit doing them one day at a time and pray to have God change me. And I think what happens is really pretty simple. When we come into AA, we're on a pretty broad path, pretty broad highway. And I can do anything on that highway. I can run all over that highway as long as I don't drink, I'm okay. And then after a few years, what happens, the road gets a little narrower on you. And then you're doing the same stuff you were doing last year. But it's like you're over here on off the road, you know, and you're stumbling over rocks and weeds and bulrushes and you're miserable. So you got to give that up. That puts you back on the road. Now you can do everything but drink and maybe this, these two items, and you're okay. You can run all over the road except for drinking these two things. And you're okay. And then a few years go by, the road gets a little narrow on you. You're doing the same stuff you're doing last year, but now you're off the road again. So you got to give that stuff. Really, the road is really like an hourglass because it does get narrower on you, but it opens up because the more I'm able to surrender and give to God, the more freedom I actually have. Never was I more in captivity than when I was drinking. Right? Total slave to my addictions. Gave up alcohol. Did I lose anything? Got more freedom, didn't I? Gave a lot more stuff. And the more I'm able to surrender, it's progressive. The more I'm able to surrender, the more freedom I'm able to enjoy. And the more happiness I'm able to experience. You know? It's a, well, what I think happens, really, in Alcoholics Anonymous, is it's going to be progressive. Forever. And I don't even know what my character defects are today. I know I got some, but until they're bothering me, guys say, what, what character defects do I need to work on? Well, I don't know. You got me. What's bothering you? Because until it bothers me, I'm not going to change. You can say, I wouldn't do that. Well, that's you. You know? How many times they tell me, you're drinking too much, man. You wouldn't drink. Did, I, did I quit? No. Once it bothers me, I'll take a look at it. You know? I'll quit. When the pain gets bad enough, when the pain of doing it is worse than the pain of not doing it, then I seem to quit, you know? And uh, and what happens is I'm doing stuff today that I won't be able to do next year. I don't even know what that stuff is. 
because it's not bothering me yet. I did stuff last year I can't do this year. So I had to, I had to quit. Okay? That's called progression, not perfection. It's progress, not perfection. So as I progress down this road of happy destiny, I'm going to be surrendering stuff my whole life, I imagine. Because as things, as the road gets narrow on me and I have to give more stuff up, the more freedom I'm going to have. Till I finally get to the point where I guess, I had one guy tell me that then you become totally humble. When you're totally humble, God can hold nothing back. And you get it all. You know? So my, 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 uh, my road to progress, there's stuff I'm going to give up this year. I gave up, uh, and I left that smoking as a character defect. You know? It was an addiction. And I gave that up, I don't know what's it been now, six, seven years, something like that, whatever it's, whatever it's been. And, uh, and then I had to give up, I gained 30 pounds immediately. In, like in a month. I couldn't believe it, man. It was incredible. And I had to give that up. Uh, and there are things I'm, I don't even know what they are yet that I'll be giving up because it'll be progression and I don't even know what those are. But that's the way it seems to work for me. And we'll talk about the rest of the program next week. Thank you.